Michelle, hi, how are you doing? Hello, very good, thank you. Now, it's nice to, um, to meet you. Um, obviously, we've, we've been communicating via, via Twitter. And I think we'd met on Twitter before, as you do, in, in inverted commas, in the, in the running world, maybe, maybe via UK Run Chat. Yes, yes. I've been a part of the UK Run Chat community for probably about six or seven years now. Right. Um, Long time. Yes, it's grown a lot since, since I first started. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of runners out there now getting involved. Yeah, and there's some great conversations and, and we'll, maybe we'll, we'll have a chat about that because there's also, I mean, I've sort of taken part in a few and um, there, there's just a great sense of support on the whole, which is, which is nice. Um, but, but your sort of journey into running, when, when did you start running? Oh, gosh, probably first started running back when I was around 21, 22. And I'm giving my age away now. So that was probably about 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd spent a bit of time because I studied languages at university um, along with marketing. And I'd spent a bit of time in Italy. And I love Italian food. I love the Italian lifestyle. But I got back to the UK and I wasn't being very active. You, you don't tend to be active as a student. I don't know many students that are, to be fair. So I wanted to kind of get moving again um, and just help myself feel a bit healthier. So I, I signed up to, I think it was a race for life, ah. which was a 5K. And I asked my, his, now my husband, my boyfriend at the time, whether he'd take me out for a run to help me train for, for this 5K. I was absolutely dreading and I thought oh what have I done <laughs> and I remember he took me out we were probably out for about 20-25 minutes and it just it felt so hard and I remember crying we stopped <laughs> on a bridge over the river and I remember bursting into tears and going I can't do it um, and anyway it started from there and I did do it um, and I kind of got the running bug a little bit and I signed up for a 10k and then a half marathon I got a place in the Great North Run back then so I signed up for that um so but once we got married everything fell by the wayside again so there was a there was a good few years when I wasn't running again so I'd say I started running again properly um probably in my late 20s early 30s um, but since then it's been a love affair and I've never stopped yeah well, that, yeah, that's obvious. And all you need to do is look at your, your Twitter profile and you can see all the different things um, that, that you're doing. But you, you kind of you sort of zoomed then from 5K to the Great North Runs a half marathon, isn't it? It's a half marathon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's a real leap. And, and I can remember making that leap. And it is. It's a massive yeah. difference. It is. And I remember at the time I didn't really have many people to run with. And I joined a gym through my work. Our work gave us gym membership. And I remember thinking, right, it's okay. I can train for this on the treadmill. And I remember one of the gym instructors coming over to me after I'd just done about an hour and a half running on the treadmill. And he said to me, now, I don't want to seem rude, but that's probably not the best way to train <laughs> for a half marathon. <laughs> um, so... And I kind of agreed, it's not good. It's not good for your joints running long distance on the treadmill, is it? Um, it's just such a repetitive, I mean, you you probably know more about this than I do. Um, you specialise in that kind of area, but 
it's it's not good um and the actual half marathon itself wasn't it wasn't great um, i didn't really enjoy the last few miles of it um, okay. and that's so probably it, because i hadn't done a lot of training outside because i just didn't feel confident really hmm. that, that's interesting isn't it because there's i mean there's pluses and minuses of, of everything and and yeah you know you ran on a treadmill for an hour and a half i mean to me yeah. that's that's outstanding because of the pure boredom <laughs> yeah. uh, you know that would be you know ugh, awful thought and i, I have done it and it, it is awful yeah. in that way but interesting that you felt that as in that you didn't enjoy you didn't feel you reached the the level of fitness that you you wanted for the actual day no i just don't think i don't know what your views are on on this but I don't think treadmill running just mimics outdoor running at all really you've got the action there obviously but I don't feel you put as much effort in on the treadmill and you can set it at a speed you don't have hills to deal with um, you don't have people to dodge lampposts to move out of the way of so you're not getting that sideways lateral movement in um, and for me it just it wasn't adequate training at all. I wish I'd done more outdoors running and I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more had yeah. I trained specifically for a, you know, on the road for a road half marathon. Yeah. But, you know, so, I've, I've learned a lot from that experience and haven't done it that way since. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and yeah. I was going to say then we, so, you know, when you look back on that and, and think about then and, and how you do things yourself now and how you mm -hmm. coach others, what, what how would you advise someone now if they wanted to embark on a, on a half marathon well i'd advise them to mimic the conditions of the race so you know if it's a hilly road half marathon let's do plenty of road and hills in training um obviously throughout winter people do tend to get on the treadmill more um, i tend to advise people do speed sessions on the treadmill because it's a bit easier you know, to set a pace and stick to it on the treadmill. Um, although I, I would always err on the side of get outside if you can um, and even get off road more and do some more trail running as well to strengthen you up. I mean, the treadmill has its place, but I would never advise making it a central part of a plan, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's there for me as, as, you know, if I really have to go on it, it's there. A sort of a, a last resort, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So when you, when you talk to people who, who class themselves as, as runners, do you, do you think that they tend to mix things up a bit more then, as opposed to someone who, who just goes to the gym and runs, I'm not saying just goes to the gym, but, but goes to the gym and, and is on the treadmill? There seems to be a different sort of philosophy. Yeah, I think if, if you're going to use a treadmill on the gym, for me, I, I wonder whether that's just more about, you know, fitness, general fitness overall. I, th I think if you're a runner, you want to get outside. I, I know I certainly, I love going out and just running a new route or, you know, I've been down to the canal this morning um, and through the woods and I don't think the two are comparable really. Um, you know, I, I don't just run for fitness now. I run because I love it. I, yeah. I wouldn't want to be without it. So, so there's a real passion here, isn't there? Oh yeah, yeah. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's it shine it shines through. So, what what is it about running that 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 excites you and energizes you? 
Oh gosh, what a question. Um, I, ooh, I don't know. I think I've, I've had 20 years, well, with a little break in the middle of running and my relationship with it has changed so much over the years because um, initially when I first got back to running, um, I thought I'm not going to make the same mistake as I did last time. I need people to run with. So we, um, my husband and I, we started a running group wow. um, in our village. Um, this must have been, what, 10, 11 years ago now. And we ended up with this huge group of friends through it and social circle. And eventually we became affiliated and then all that business. And we put on some races, but it was always very much we always had somebody to run with then. So running really became a big part of our lives and it became something we went and did for fun. It wasn't just for fitness. Um, and then we've recently moved, well, I say recently, we've recently moved to Bolton three years ago. So we've, we've kind of said goodbye to our running club and we've had to start a new, new social circle. Yeah. So I have fewer people to run with now but then that's when I trained as a canicross instructor. So I'm now out with my dog a lot more up in the hills and mm. um, in the woods. So it's, I'm much more a trail runner now. And again, I'm still finding that enjoyment. It's not as social an activity for me, but for me now it's, it's a release. Um, I have an eight year old daughter, you know, life as a parent is quite busy, especially when you're self-employed and working for yourself. So running for me is, just really really important to me to get out in the fresh air and the countryside yeah. so it's kind of evolved through the years so that's where I am now <laughs> yeah so you I, I saw that I saw that you you got into to running with your dog but not only you but but taking other people as well so so what how did how did that come about the getting into dog running well we've we've always had a dog um, since before we were married um, and she used to come out running with us on the trails she was really good she'd run at our heels she didn't need to be on the lead and she was getting a bit older so we decided to rescue another dog um, who we we went to a shelter in Lincolnshire where we used to live and she'd just come over from Romania this this young pup who our old dog really took to so we thought yes this is a good match and our old dog, the plan was our old dog would teach the young dog to behave herself, yeah. <laughs> teach her all the good things about her. And it doesn't work like that. Our, our younger dog, Poppy, she she was a rescue from Romania. She had a lot of issues in terms of being scared of people. Hmm. So we did a lot of work on that. Um, but it turns out she's a sight hound. So she her prey drive is just off the scale. Oh, she, she ran off a few times chasing a deer on the moors and I just thought I can't deal with this stress of not knowing where she is yeah. and thinking I'll lose her so I'm going to keep her on the lead so I started canny cross like that um, and it was um, Lara at Dogfit who I know on Twitter she got in touch with me and said why don't you she said we're always looking for new people to kind of come into Dogfit and help teach others because I didn't have anyone to talk to about how to get started. Yeah. So she said, why don't you come and, you know, we'll train you up and you can get qualified as an instructor. And then you can kind of teach others as well who are just starting out what's happening. So that's what I did. So that was a, that was a few years ago now. So I trained up um, dog fit kind of teach you all about harness fitting. So it's really important when you're running with a dog, not to just do it on a collar and a lead, you know, you need proper kit. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so now I teach others, they come to me, we'll fit them up with some kit, we'll give them a little taster session of what it's like, we'll teach them some basic commands. And I run a few social groups in the area as well, in normal times, I've not started those up again just yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what's different between taking a dog for a run and, and taking a human group for a run? Well, the dogs are a lot louder. <laughs> <laughs> If you've got a pack of dogs out running, they're very noisy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, dogs, they're just a lot more unpredictable than humans. So you have to kind of keep an eye on them if they're mm. trying to shoot off, if they see a squirrel, you know, or another dog comes bounding over to them who's with somebody else, you know, that can cause a bit of chaos sometimes. So it's good fun, though. And once they get running, they really do work together well in a pack. It's lovely okay. to see. Yeah. And, and do you do you spend more time? I know that obviously the last year has been been different with things, but do you spend more time running with with dogs plural or 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 just one dog and and maybe working with someone with one dog? Yeah, I'm I'm usually just with my dog and somebody else, um, so it works tends to work better one on one when you're teaching things. It's just a little bit less chaotic. Um, yeah. Our pack runs tend to be more for fun. And just for a bit of socialising for the humans and the dogs, really. Yeah, and I guess if you've got a pack of dogs, you, they can pull you up a hill. You, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Not all dogs like running up a hill. <laughs> a bit like humans in that way. <laughs> some like hills, some don't. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if someone was coming to you starting out and, and you know they've, they've got a dog and they want to run with, with the dog, what, what would that first session look like? Uh, well, we... we get the dog fitted in a suitable harness. Um, so one that's not going to restrict its shoulder movement, one that's comfortable to pull into. Um, and then we'll get the human fitted into a waist belt as well. So um, the waist belt for Canny Cross, you put your legs through it, it's a little bit like a climbing harness. So what happens is when you attach to your dog via a bungee lead, it pulls you from the hips so yeah. that you're not pulling at your back. You see a lot of these kind of cheap running belts in pet shops that just fasten around your waist but they can really damage your back okay so once once the human and the dog are fitted into kit we then we then have to get the human used to not holding the lead so that's quite a big deal yeah yeah <laughs> it can feel strange if you're used to constantly having a handheld lead and um, and then we'll just teach a few commands and start running the the, the first command we teach is always to make sure you can stop safely with the dog yeah. So how to slow down um, and then we'll just progress from there really and try to get the dog pulling some dogs will pull naturally and some like one i had yesterday just wanted to run by her own side gazing lovingly into her eyes it was really <laughs> cute um yeah and then we'll kind of do some left and right and dodging around trees and fun things like that so sort of more agility and fun fun stuff i suppose it's fun anyway isn't it yeah it is it's always fun yeah yeah and every run is different yeah, yeah. And um, what about different breeds of, of dog? Uh, are there some that are more suitable than others? Um, there are. I mean, you know, there are obviously some dogs bred to run anyway, um, but sometimes they won't have as much stamina as other dogs. I mean, all dogs, most dogs will, will enjoy running. Yeah. Um, and some are more prone to wanting to pull, um, whereas others perhaps won't want to pull as much so 
there are some that are more suited to canny cross, but it's hard to break it down into breeds, really. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Is, and temperament, I suppose. Yeah, every dog is very individual. Um, I mean, some dogs that I've thought will be really strong pullers have just not wanted to at all. So, yeah, it, it's hard to know until you try it. And I, I mean, I suppose, you know, um, a more extreme example, you know, a, a sausage dog is probably not going to go for a, a 20k run. No, no, I can imagine those little legs. But then equally, <laughs> if you've got a, a greyhound, then that, that could be that could be a bit dangerous for the human. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is, is, is canny cross dangerous? You are always in control of your dog. So. You, you can stop. You've got a lot of, you know, you've got a lot of strength in your hips. So it is easy. You know, if you teach the dog the command to stop and you lean back and, you know, stop the dog from pulling. Um, I always say to people, you're never going to fall over, really. I know a few who have, but very small minority. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's as much about teaching the commands to the dog as well. So as you said earlier, you know, temperament is, is the dog willing to listen to you. When you're attached by a lead, you do have a much stronger bond. The dog yeah. does tend to listen to you a lot more because it can't see you. Yeah. I mean, is, is there a sort of a level of training beforehand that, that would be important? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you, you, you would need to reinforce the canny cross command when you're out on walks as well. You know, just teaching the dog to heal and, yeah. to, you know, to slow down. So that that is so important. Yeah, voice commands are everything when the dog can't see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so once you've once you've sort of gone through that process and taught the the human, um, you know, the the commands and and such like, where where does it go from there? What what do people typically like to learn and, and do, and what, what do you offer them? Typically, just a little bit more technique, really. Um, descending hills is usually the big one. <laughs> Because we teach our dog to pull and then suddenly when you're going down a steep hill, you need it to be behind you yeah. um, and not pull you. So that tends to be the next one. But really, we just we just get out onto the moors and explore a little bit. Mm. Um, we do all kinds of different routes and the dogs love it. Yeah, yeah. somewhere different every week. Now, that sounds that sounds fabulous. So I'm just sort of picturing that and, the you know, the mm -hmm. space and the countryside and the and the air. Um, it's got a real a real appeal to it we we've got um a, a dog um he's a, he's a pomeranian but yeah sort of a bigger one yeah um you have to forgive me on the details it's it's kind of more <laughs> my wife's dog i'd say and 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 he kind of he he can run quite a long way actually yeah. for, for yeah. something with small legs and he's very he's very nippy but there's no we haven't sort of taken it to any formal level no um and and and, and he's he doesn't well he'll be on the lead but he doesn't he's not very good at coming back no. <laughs> um, but of course that's not his fault you know it's like we talk about the human don't we um yeah. is it is it um how much of it is human and how much of it is dog when there's training going on who are you oh, at think, training yeah i mean i am not an expert dog trainer so which is why poppy is always on the lead so she does have a good recall unless she's found something that's more interesting to do and that's always the issue isn't it so even if I've got treats if there's something to chase she would you know they have that selective deafness so I think it is possible to train your dogs if you have all the skill set 
yeah um, so yeah yeah I, I perhaps need to kind of look more into the training side of things with her yeah it's quite a big field isn't it and and dog mm. behaviorists and all this kind yeah. of kind of stuff but um no that's that's great uh, how how much of that do you do compared to well just human coaching and um, probably about half and half i'd say yeah yeah i have a nice mix really yeah, yeah. and and what was what was the appeal of getting into coaching in the first place um i think just for something you know, a more flexible way of working for me. I mean, I do obviously love what I do. Um, back when I had our daughter, I was working as a full-time marketing manager for university. And I didn't want to go back to that job once I was a mum because I didn't want to do it part-time. I didn't feel I could do it justice. Um, and I thought I just need to, you know, to do something from home. So I had my coaching qualifications and I just thought, well, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I'll, I'll try it. And I, I started doing a few training plans for people within our club just to get some practice at helping people. Um, and it's a scary thing when you start a business on your own, isn't it? Thinking, oh, is it going to go all right? Um, but actually, I'm probably, you know, five six years into it now and I, I just really love it I feel I've got a really good balance of you know helping people you know aside from the dog training with my just human athletes you know I've got a really good mix of people across the board I've got some who are just starting out running and then I've got others who are aiming for ultra marathons so it's you know it's a really interesting job and I just love I love the outcome at the end when somebody achieves that goal that they've set themselves maybe six months previously you know and, and they've got there and then it's like oh what next what can I achieve now and it's just seeing people adjusting their goals then yeah because they've managed to achieve something that they perhaps weren't sure about so that's the bit I love yeah and that's what keeps me coaching <laughs> yeah 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 so it's, it's just you know your your passion seems to be then around helping other people achieve what they want to achieve yeah yeah and I, I like you know some people will come to me and they they genuinely won't you know they won't understand simple things like how to do an effective warm-up before a run and you'll coach them through that process and they'll go oh yeah I've never tried that before that that really helps <laughs> so it's just that sort of thing and you you think that has no value but actually that has an immense amount of value when it's helping somebody you know do a pain-free run yeah so, yeah, I, amateur um, athletes sort of often just, you know, get up from the desk and go out of the door, don't they? And, and yes. sort of get into yeah. it and then, and then come back, maybe have a shower and then carry on, go back to work or, or whatever. Yeah. It's the, the run is the thing. Um, yeah. Forgetting yeah. That, that actually the run is just the tip of the iceberg. Yes. So what, what other things do you bring into the training programs aside from, you know, actual running yeah oh, all kinds I mean I'll always advise that people cross train and do some strength training as well um I advise you know just if they've got issues just you know making sure they stretch um and you know at the start of a run that they're doing the proper kind of dynamic stretches if they need to some running drills in certain cases 
um, all kinds really. Yeah. And then not forgetting rest and recovery and sleep and making sure they're eating the right things and drinking enough. It's, you know, there's such a lot involved in it, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's, yeah. there's a, there's a huge amount. And, and how do people, how do people take it when, because they might come along and say, look, I, I want to do this race or I just want to get better at my running. And then, and then you've got to talk to them about preparation and sleep and, and yeah. eating and that kind of stuff. Are, are people open to that? Do you find? Yes, they are. I, I will never, I will always just ask quite open questions. So I will never try and kind of force my opinion onto people. <laughs> Um, but I'll just start by asking open questions. And once you start asking those questions, people tend to go, oh, well, you know, I've, I've not been going to bed till 2 a.m. And, you know, that might be having an impact maybe. So so then you can suggest that maybe they try going to bed a bit earlier, getting a bit more sleep. Um, it's the same with food and drink. So I do always try to ask lots of questions about what people's lifestyles are like. Um, and some people are more open to that than others. It's the same um, recently, I've been doing a lot more research into kind of the menstrual cycle um, and how that impacts women's training, because probably about 75% of my clients at the moment are, are ladies. So um, I've been kind of asking questions about that. That's something that not everybody's comfortable talking about, but that has actually a huge impact on how training feels. Um, so for me, I think coaching is more about, it's about asking the right questions, drawing the right information out of people. And then just trying to work around that. Yeah, you, you've developed your own style um, by by the sound of things. Is is has that kind of evolved from what you were taught? In other words, what you do now compared to how you were taught to coach? Has it has it changed? Um, yes, I think it has. I think I think when you're taught to be a coach, you're kind of taught the principles of coaching, aren't you? Um, but then you kind of develop your own interests. Um, you want to find out about more things. So I, I do a lot of reading around <laughs> running and, you know, just general health and fitness. So, and then things pique my interest. And I think, oh, we'll try that. And mm. I've, I've got an athlete here that might benefit from that, actually. Let's try that. So I think that does develop your style a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. That's interesting that you say that because I never thought I had a style as such. But yeah, obviously, everyone's quite different. <laughs> Well, yeah, it was just that, you know, you talked about asking open questions yeah. um, and and of course that that leaves an opportunity or it's kind of a, a gentle knock on the door and, and someone yeah. can choose, you know, how far they open it and whether they invite you in and the conversation yeah. progresses from, from there or, or not. And that's, you know, very much a style around perhaps motivational interviewing, that kind of thing, which is helping yeah. people to have their own realisations by you yeah. just gently guiding them. And it sounds like that's your approach. Yeah, I think that's more powerful too. I think if you're quite prescriptive as a coach and say, right, do this, do that, while it suits some people, not everybody, you know, that might get another person's back up and think, oh, I don't like that. Um, so I think once somebody kind of discovers something for themselves through your questioning, um, it's kind of more powerful and they're more likely to then make some changes, I think. Yeah. So you'll adapt then. So if someone was more, look, uh, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. You, you yeah. would then adapt your approach accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. But I do always keep a close eye on how the training is going because it might be that they do need some, you know, some changes 
so we just have to work through that in a different way yeah 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 but I, I do I work with everybody completely differently as well um so some people some people like me on the phone all the time um whereas some people they just want a plan um yeah. with you know pace goals on there and they just want to work through it so you know everybody's so different aren't they yeah. it's just really important to be flexible this is the reason I don't really I don't really like bespoke uh, sorry not bespoke I don't really like the generic plans that you can get just on the yeah. internet they just they don't work yeah yeah you're, you're much more interested in in the person yes yeah and and I noticed I think I'm right in saying this that that you you do online stuff as well yes most most of my work is online to be honest um so people who just need somebody at the other end of a phone or you know who just need to be able to message me um when the so yeah most most of my clients i've got a few clients locally who we do some one-to-ones with yeah uh, but most of the work i do is online actually yeah we're, and, we're much more set up for that as a society now aren't we well, yeah, I was going to say, have yeah. you found that over, you know, during COVID times, um, that 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 aspect of your work maintained, picked up? What what happened? It did. I expected it when we first started seeing races cancelling. I expected work to drop off, actually. But what happened is people needed motivation to keep going with no races. Yeah. So actually, work has kind of remained steady throughout, which is surprising, really. Yeah. And now obviously we've got races coming back again. Um, it's yeah. picking up in that way again. But it's been surprisingly consistent. Yeah. Well, it seems that, that there was an increase in people running, walking, you know, getting outside because that yeah. was one thing that, that we could do. And and it's interesting isn't it? because there was a lot of talk around, you know, not having races and what that was like. And 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 if that's something that you do, but it also shows how we become we can become attached to something and and the problem that that causes i mean that we're kind of getting a bit buddhist now but you know it, it's the sort of the root of suffering and if you're so attached because nothing's permanent and, and in this case it was covid that caused that so suddenly i was like ah you know what do i do there's no there's no race well how about creating your own um yeah yeah it's it's a difficult one isn't it i think people most missed running with friends like having that motivation I certainly did I've got one friend locally that I run with quite a lot and I miss that most of all but I was just grateful to have the dog to at least yeah. have some company yeah yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting who, who would you say is your your perfect coachee oh just somebody who I mean when you're coaching somebody you need you need that feedback from how they're doing so you need to know how they're feeling so I love it when people will message me and go right today's run I did this on the plan it felt like this I couldn't quite hit the pace I wanted to today um so then we'd ask a few questions about you know what was different did they run at a different time of day what they eaten how they slept so I I kind of love lots of feedback I think that really helps you when you're coaching to kind of know what's going on in their life as well as just how the room went um, yeah so so you kind of you like the interaction and that's yes. what's hub yeah the, the... i think you need it don't you i don't think you can coach somebody who doesn't kind of give you a lot of feedback about how it's going because how do you then know whether the plan needs adapting and you know how to kind of steer them it's yeah. difficult yeah 
but it's it's something that you seem to really thrive on yeah I love it I love it yeah, yeah. I, I think I'll always do it yeah I love my job <laughs> and and I also noticed that that you're involved with run things yes I'm the club coach for run things now I, I, do you know much about the run things run club not, not a lot only around you know the, the focus on mental health which which was yeah a, I mean it's, it's brilliant um run things that they offer a lot of events throughout the year I think our next one is uh, run around the world which you know a virtual event that brings the community together um but they noticed that there were people who wanted to join a running club but didn't necessarily want to go along to a physical running club because you know a lot of people with mental health issues they they perhaps don't want to be you know they feel anxious going along and meeting new people mm. so they decided to create this just an online club um so i think that's two yeah it'd be two years i think this may um so we've got such a lovely facebook community i've never seen any any problems on it at all everybody's so nice so people will post the runs on there and um, so i go on there to kind of help people out if they've got questions about anything um and it's just such such a nice group yeah so, so what what kind of people um, you know join up? Who who are you who are you there for? All kinds, really. Anybody who doesn't want to go to a regular running club but wants to be affiliated, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got all kinds of people on there. Okay, okay. Because uh, I mean, the, the term mental health is is banded around a lot, isn't it? And, yeah. And it kind of you know there's there's pluses and minuses of that terminology for, for yeah. a start but um but it seems from what you're saying is you don't have to sort of perceive yourself to be suffering with anxiety or depression or or something else to no. to be involved you you just might want to do it that way yeah exactly yeah yeah we don't discriminate so everybody's welcome yeah and we're just kind of a, a friendly online running club and, and so how, sort of practically speaking then, how, how would someone go about it if they were interested? So if somebody wanted to join, just go to the Run Things website. I think the address is runthings.co.uk um, and just click on club and all the information will be on there. Um, I think there's either an email address on there or somebody to contact about joining. Okay, brilliant. I'll, I'll put that and other links and things on, yeah. on the page so people can find that um, easily. But that, that, sounds, that sounds great. And then the other thing, that you, I mean, running's your life, isn't it? The, the it other really thing is, yeah. Is your, is your work with UK Run Chat. And, um, and so I sort of um, put, my, put my toe in a, a few times, or stuck my oar in perhaps, a few times of, of the the chat that happened twice a week. Yes. Um, which which is great. You know, you just you sort of getting to know people in, in this sort of virtual virtual world. But you said you've been involved for quite a few years. Yeah, I first came across the UK run chat hashtag when I joined Twitter. Um, and Twitter was really boring back then because you know, when when you first join, you're like, what what is this space? Do I just kind of shout out into the abyss and hope somebody replies or what um and I was really kind of getting into my running again back then so I I remember coming across the hashtag and I thought oh this looks interesting and suddenly I had this just bunch of people to follow who all loved running just like me um so I've been involved since then and you know I've I've kind of at, at the moment I help out with 
um, I'm the account manager and just help out with the competitions that run on there and do some social media stuff. So I help organise the hours, UK run chat hours. Um, so it's kind of evolved from there, the work that I do with them. So, yeah, it's, it's nice to be part of. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for people who who haven't, who are runners, I, I don't think if you're not a runner, you're going to get involved. But if for, for runners who, who haven't yet sort of um, come along to one of those evenings, how, how would you how would you describe them? Um, I would say they're, they're very busy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so essentially the way they work is we, we normally have either two co-hosts or a co-host and somebody who's sponsoring, which usually we've got a competition running that week. So one of our brand sponsors. So we'll have two people kind of tweeting out questions during the hour to get people chatting really the, the point of the hour is to just involve people and get everybody talking about running um so i mean the account is usually really busy anyway we get so many people interacting with us it's brilliant and generally if you've got a question about running if you pop the uk run chat hashtag on there any time of the week you'll get some responses and answers to your question so yeah yeah so you know it it always makes me smile when like because there's one on a Wednesday night isn't there that yeah sometimes someone will say oh sorry I'm late and, and ask a question on a Thursday <laughs> morning or something so it's kind of just that's like, generally me like, actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's you know it's, it's a rolling thing but as you said you know people can go along at any time and, and bung on a question or, yeah. or 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 people who are doing you know interesting things or amazing things in some cases and then they they post it and, and they get shared yeah um but yeah you must be typing furiously um at times and trying to you know retweet and and, and like and all the rest of it you're, you're yeah it's hard to keep up with different. during the hour itself yeah very hard to keep up with <laughs> are, you, are you kind of have you got a number of screens with your your hands on one and your feet on another to keep up with <laughs> something like that yeah usually phones going computers going yeah <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, listen, it's been fantastic to have a have a chat and find out about, you know, what you're up to and, and your coaching and, and all the rest of it. And um, well, it's always nice to chat to a, a fellow runner anyway. Yeah. Um, if if people want to to come and find you, um, where where can they do that? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter, Miles with Shell. Um, Instagram Miles with Michelle, or you can go straight to my website, which is mileswithmichelle.co.uk, and all my contact details are on there. Brilliant, brilliant. As I say, I'll, I'll put them all on the um, on the page, which will which will go up today, and then people can um, can click directly um, and come along and, and look at all the various things that you're involved with and and doing, and if they want coaching and dog coaching and all the rest of it. So um, yeah, I will fantastic. thank you. It's been lovely just chatting, running for three quarters of an hour, actually. <laughs> like it you say, always it's my is, life. Isn't it? It, <laughs> oh, it I can talk is. for hours about it. It always is. There's probably certain, there's certain people that, that we can do that with, and yeah. certain people you, you just can't. They're not interested at all. And I, no, I, you're I, right. I A special kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Well, listen, keep in touch and um, yeah, keep it all going. It's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Cheerio. Bye.